Good morning. <laughs> a little bit more to get ready here than, than probably normal. Uh, <laughs> you were supposed to say hi for a little bit longer. <laughs> uh, my, my name is Craig um, Butler. I am one of the house church leaders here at Twin Cities Church. Welcome this morning uh, to our time. Let me, let me pray. Lord God, we give this time to you. I do pray that we can uh, rest in you uh, from all that we do and take this moment here to remember what you have done and to um, remember who we put our trust in and to remember who rescues us. And so I pray that this uh, morning that uh, the words that are spoken and the scripture that is read, um, pray that it would cut to our hearts and it would um, help to free us and um, put our trust in Jesus. And so we ask that in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, today we are going to, um, I am the preacher, uh, and I'm not the normal preacher. So we, have, we have two uh, pastors, Lawrence Simmons and George Stagg, who switched sites. Uh, they are taking a break. They are taking a rest uh, from, from their work, and they happen to not be here uh, tonight. Uh, today and um, and resting, um, so I think that that's appropriate for them. Um, so the uh, the way that our church works is that we do have some leadership training. We give opportunities for people to come up here and preach. Josh, I know, has done that before, and others in our church have done that. And today, it's my turn. And so I hope that you can enjoy this message. Uh, if you come away from this and you're new here and you say the church was great, but the preacher wasn't, uh, <laughs> recognize that there are other opportunities to hear somebody else. <laughs> but um, I am going to be talking about rest uh, today and true rest for our souls and the true rest that comes from Jesus. Uh, and Lawrence was the one who um, offered for me to do this, and he did that because he knew it would be good for me. Uh, he knows me, and... It is something that I have struggled with, is what is, what is true rest? Uh, for me, it's not that I don't rest, uh, but it's that I rest in inappropriate ways. Uh, for, for our church has this, um, these classes that you can go through called Exodus class. When I did it four years ago, that was called the Redemption class. And we get into a group of people, and what we do is we work through things that are in our lives that we need to be freed from. And as you talk it out through the group that you're with, through guidance. You look at the story of the exodus of the Israelites being freed from Egypt and delivered from that by, by Jesus. And many of you have been through these programs. You look at things in your life that need to be freed. And one of those things was my view of rest. And I had an inappropriate view of what rest was and what I was seeking in my rest. So I would like to look at that for us. So um, to start off, though, um, there has been this study here that was um, conducted uh, earlier this year in 2016 called Project Time Off. And it was a study of American full-time workers and the amount of days they took off. How many paid vacation days did American workers get on average? And there was a survey that went out to all full-time employees, so it doesn't count for part-time, uh, and, and they looked at that. What they found was that before the year 2000, here in the United States, our culture had average of paid vacation days was um, 20 paid vacation days of work off. So it's not, that's above and beyond the holidays that we take. And we are, in uh, every year since the year 2000, that number of paid vacation days has gone down. So that this year, um, we are now at an average of 16 paid vacation days. That's like a week less of work. Uh, a week less of work that we are taking off. And this is not because of companies and our places of work giving us less benefits, but it's because people are choosing not to take those days off. This is even worse for millennials, uh, those of you who have been born in the 80s or 90s, if your birthday in the 80s or 90s, um, you have a stronger tendency, at least on average, of not using your paid vacation days. So the survey asked, so they found that out, and the survey asked, why? Why are you not taking these paid vacation days? And so here are the top six 
motivations for not taking paid vacation days. I don't know if you can um, relate to any of these. I am not going to take my paid vacation days because, number one, not that, uh, <laughs> do not want to return to a mountain of work. It's going to be too much work for me to do to take a day off. I'm a teacher, and I know that. Uh, it is hard sometimes to get a sub to sub for you. It's more work in the end, uh, and so I won't take those days off. Number two, no one else can do my job. If I take that day off, things are going to suffer, and I can't do that. Number three, can't afford a vacation. If I take a day off, I have to pay for it, um, and I usually spend more money taking vacation days off. Uh, and number four, it's harder to advance in the company. I want to climb up the ladder. In order to do that, I need to be at work. Number five, I want to show dedication to my work. I am a hard worker, and I want to show that. I want to show that I am a hard worker. And the last one is I don't want to be seen as replaceable. And so you have these reasons. Now, whatever, wherever we all fit, we all are in different situations in life. Some of us are can really relate to this. Some of us can't. Uh, but if we look at this, our culture here in the United States is one. What does it say about our culture? Um, a couple things. I think it says, I think, first of all, is that in the U.S., we value hard work. It is something that is a value. I, I can relate to this. Um, my, my mom, or grandma, uh, she, not my grandma, but my kid's grandma. So I'm sure some of you do that. You know, you call... <laughs> your parents, grandma or grandpa, if you have kids. And then, uh, but my grandma, not my grandma, my mom <laughs> will take my kids on a retreat of sorts, and then I, she'll have activities for them to do. And the most recent one, my, my middle daughter, Danielle, she went with, to work with grandma. And um, what they did is they just cooked and did things and, with grandma, and, and, and she loved it. And she sat next to grandma, and my grandma, my mom, said that, um, that she was so proud of Danielle. And because she sat next to her for eight hours, working on cooking food and preparing things, and she never complained. She is such a hard worker. She's a great kid. Uh, so her value, according to grandma, and I think that. I think she is a great kid. <laughs> uh, her value is not, uh, it was in, in how hard she worked. Uh, according to grandma. Now, I, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, and I, am, I, I, I do appreciate Danielle because she is willing to do that. Um, but it's kind of our culture is that we do value people who work hard and are not lazy and who will, will kind of step up the game. And, and so if you can show yourself as that, then you will be seen as, uh, as a better person. On the other side of things, we value these hard work. And Ryan last week, Ryan Lee was the other who's, who's, who's paralleling me in these. He spoke about uh, work. Uh, today I'm speaking about rest. So we kind of are doing this. Last week I spoke in the Uptown site, and, and Ryan is there this week, uh, kind of flip-flopping on what we are talking about here. But uh, we value hard work, but at the same time we do value rest. We value our time off. We value weekends. And we prize those. We value vacation days that we can have with our parents. We value the road trips. Uh, we value these things that we can do that are away from the work. But we won't take away from the hard work that we do. So we see this in our culture. So at issue, today I wanted to talk about our two things. We have um, at issue, there's a balance between work and rest, uh, where we want to show hard work, but we also want to show that we play hard and are able to rest well. And so we want to balance between those two here in our American culture. But the other side is, what is the real motivation for why we are seeking rest? What are we really, truly going after when we want to do this? And, and this was my issue, is I was seeking rest, and I'm trying to find rest in inappropriate ways uh, that were not leading me to the true rest that we can find in Jesus Christ. So that's what I would like, is what should be our true motivation today? And our true motivation should be true rest comes when we can reflect on and know God through the work of Jesus Christ. And that enables us to be joyful and thankful in our work. So this is what, we're, what I'm going to try to get to today and what I've, I've, I've learned through the study of Scripture. True rest comes when we can reflect on and know God through the work of Jesus Christ. And that enables us then to be joyful and thankful in the work that we 
that we do. All right, so the text today that I will read from is Matthew 11. If you have a Bible, you can take it off. No, there's some Bibles on the edges of the aisles if you don't. Feel free to use your phone. I am not going to, uh, I am not going to have the text up here, so you won't be able to read it from there, uh, but we will, I will follow with it. Lawrence has been preaching out of Matthew, but he's been preaching out of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's going to end when the Sermon on the Mount ends. Uh, this is two chapters after the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter uh, 11, verse 25 through 12, 8. So let me read this. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and, and the understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And then he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered into the house of God and he ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to do, to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or, or haven't you heard, read in the law on how the, on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and yet are guiltless. I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you know what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there, and he entered into the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it true, is it lawful? to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more worth is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisee went out and conspired against him and how to destroy him. So here we have this, this, this story. Um, Jesus is in front of the crowds at first, praying to the Father, saying he, that, that the only one who can truly know the Father is the Son, and those who the Son chooses to, to let know the Father. So the choice of the Son. And he then says, true rest is found in me. Come to me, those of you who are weary. Come to me, those of you who are heavy laden, and you're going to have rest. You're going to have the true rest for your souls in me. I will give you that rest. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but in, the, in Scripture, Sabbath is the rest day. And so you have these two stories right after it about the Sabbath, the day of rest. Um, the, the first one where the, um, the disciples are plucking grain from wheat and eating it. Just as they walk through the field, they just pluck it off. According to the rules that the Pharisees made, that was unlawful. That was against the rules of the Sabbath because they're not resting, they're doing work by plucking grains off of that. And then he does the same thing with this withered man and the disciples, you cannot do work on the Sabbath, but he, they were tricked him into trying to heal a man and he went ahead and healed him. He healed the, the withered hand of the man on the Sabbath. That was unlawful according to their rules. And Jesus' response was, it's not about the Sabbath. It's not about this rule. It's about me. True rest is found in me. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am rest. And that's where you're going to find it. Not in following these rules that you have established for yourself. You have misunderstood what the Sabbath was for. And so that's the story that we have. Um, and I wanted to look at that story and also look at the rest of Scripture and see how does this all play out. How does God play out this idea of rest and what we are to do? Uh, and so the first thing is, um, and Ryan spoke 
about this first thing um, last week. But the first thing that the Bible does establish is that work is good. So our tendency is to see work as a necessary evil that we have to get away with and get away from. Uh, work is good, according to the Bible. Work is something that does, uh, that, that, that God has given us that is good and meaningful and something beautiful that we can do. God established this, and, and I'm going to define work here uh, in different ways, uh, but uh, whatever lot we're in, and each one of us in here has maybe a different role to play in your life in terms of what you do. The work that we do is the stuff that we do in our lives that gives us some meaning. For, for many of us, that's paid work. You have a job that you get paid for. Um, that may be fruitful paid work, and you see real meaning in that, or it may be just something that pays the bills. But that is paid work. That is good. Paid work is good. There's volunteer work. Some of us are, are in a situation in life where we can offer up a lot of volunteer work. Some of us, it doesn't fit in either of those categories. It's just work we have to do because of our lot in life. I think of young mothers or just parents in general. You have work to do. You may not have chosen to do that, and you definitely don't get paid for it. Uh, but it is work, and you have that. All right, we have a calling in church. Uh, you may have, a, have feel like there's a, a job for you to do in church um, or with this community that you have in your neighborhood, with your family. Okay, what are, whatever your work is, it's the stuff that we do. It is good. It is meaningful and it is good. So he has, God established this in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm not going to get into this too much because Ryan did, did this before. But God went about in the business. For six days, he created the earth. He created a home. He created a place. He created a land for his people. And he did this in these six days of creation. And in that whole process, he's saying, this is good. This is very good. The work that I am doing is good. And he's creating this place. In the very end, he created humans. He created ma male and female. And he placed them in this place that he has created. And it was very good. And then on the seventh day, he rested. He did his work. And then he rested. God established that in the beginning. Then he put humans, he put male and female, he put Adam and Eve into a garden, and he gave them a command. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill up this place that I've created for you, and cultivate it and work it and, and, and take care of it. And, you know, you, got the, you, got, you have the garden for you, but you need to go get the get the vegetable. It was good work. It wasn't toilsome. It wasn't burdensome. It was very good, and it was very meaningful, and God established that in the beginning. Um, in Ephesians 2.10, in the New Testament, we also see that all of us have been created for God. Is, all of us have been created for good works. It says God, we are God's workmanship, and we are created to do good works that he prepared ahead of time for us to do. This is a beautiful thought. We all are here created to do something good, to do a good work that God has established for us to do. Part of that is individual, and each one of us in here, if we look around in this room as I look at you, you were specially created for something good that God has, has made uh, for you. He's given you gifts. He's given you talents. He's given you opportunities to do a good work. And right now, we are, you're in the middle of doing some of that. But then if we put us all together... It's just beautiful because Ephesians is really about the church, and it's put all of our good works together, and us as Twin Cities Church or whatever community you're a part in, us together have a good work to do, and God has established it, and it's beautiful, and, and, and we can rejoice in that good work. So God has this good work, but when sin happened... When evil came into the world and when the curse came in, work became hard. And work became toil and work became burdensome and work filled with sweat. I would say work is filled with worry as well. We have a job to do, but it's hard no matter what we do. Even if we feel fully fulfilled in doing our work, there's a job for us to do. It's going to be hard. And that's because of the curse. 
And this is what Jesus wants to free us from, is that curse. So he set up the Sabbath principle of rest. And this is throughout the Bible in many different ways. Uh, in the first way, it is work six days, rest a seventh day. Right? God did it, so he's commanding us to follow his example. God also said that I did it to you in, the, in Egypt. I, ref, I, I freed you from slavery. I freed you from rest in Egypt. You're no longer slaves. Now you can find your true rest. So follow my example. God has set up the Sabbath rest. And if God did it, he's, he asked his people to do it. You see it in different ways in different festivals in the Bible. Uh, and all of these festivals are all about stopping your work for a moment to thank and worship and remember God. There's the festival of harvest. So you work all year, and then you harvest your food. You stop, and you remember God, and you have a festival for it. Together as a community, we rest in God for what the work that we have been able to do through him. Uh, so there's, there's these principles throughout the Bible. And even in the revelations, it talks about how we will find our final rest in him. And there is going to be a very final rest. So there's work, and then there's rest. There's a rhythm of work and rest. By the way, the principle is work six days, rest one. It's not work one day, rest six. Uh, and, and there is this, that, that principle there. Uh, so the final thing here is that there is a true rest that we can find in God. So there, we have a need for rest. God established that rest, and he established that through patterns that we see in the Sabbath principle. The principle and the rules of the Sabbath, though, aren't the final rest. The final rest is when we can just sit and remember and trust in the work of God that he did through Jesus Christ and set our minds on the right thing. Uh, and so um, throughout our house churches, we study these two books, um, Ephesians and Colossians. Uh, in Colossians, the central um, verse is, is Colossians 3, 1 through 2. And I think this kind of relates to where our, trust, our true rest needs to go. Colossians 3, 1, through 1 and 2 says, If you've been raised with Christ, if you believe this, if you believe that you've been raised with Christ, Christ has been raised you have been raised in him as well. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things of earth. So we have work to do, which we call the things of earth. This is not bad. Work is good. But when we rest, our true rest needs to be in looking at what God has done through Jesus. Seek the things that are above, not the things on earth. That's when we are going to find true rest. So true rest results in us knowing God and having our souls rested in him so that we can trust him more in what he has already done for us in Christ Jesus so that we can be joyful and thankful in the work that we do. True rest results when we know God and we can have our souls just rested in him and we can trust in him because of what he did through Jesus Christ and then we can be joyful, we can be thankful for our work. But we get trapped. And so I like to think about this is you're walking and you're doing things. And you at first probably have a good motivation for the things that you've done. I'm, I'm, my guess is that everything I say today, most of us in here know. Uh, but maybe it's just a hopefully a reminder and a challenge for us to saturates ourselves in that a little bit more. You're walking and you're doing things, and it could be a really good thing or it could be a bad thing, uh, but you're doing these things, and all of a sudden you get distracted, and the thing that you're doing becomes the main thing that you think about and that you set your minds on. And you just walk and you forget. You forget what the real motivation is. You forget what true rest is. You forget what we need to keep ourselves in. And so we need to just stop and say, wait a second, what is this really about? What is underneath everything that I do? So what it's not, and so as you're walking along, you're seeking these rests, and this is where I got myself in. It's not an escape. Work is good. And so it is a good and meaningful thing that we are doing work. We don't need to escape from work. 
We don't need to escape from our burdens. We don't need to escape from being uh, full of wor worry. Oh, we do need to escape from that. We don't need to be uh, escape for the wearisomeness that we have and the sweat that we have and just try to get away from it all. Um, escape is going to lead us into doing things that are going to indulge our flesh, that, that we're going to seek pleasure in and, and doing things. And that's going to be totally different for every one of us. Some of us, it's substances. You can do this in a healthy way, um, but you can also do it in a very un unhealthy way. But we got drugs and alcohol. We escape in those and um, because it helps us to get away from all of the things that are, are in our lives. Uh, we can escape through entertainment, uh, whether that's movies or sports or um, different things that we, we do in life. Um, we can escape through uh, just having um, busyness in our life. We can escape through uh, getting caught up in isolating ourselves from others uh, and trying to get away from the rest of the world. Whatever it is, escape is really our motivation is to get away. That's not what rest is. Rest is not getting away from this life. Because what we have, what God has established for us, is good. We don't need to get away from it. We just need to rest from it. So this has been my problem. And I would escape. My main way of escaping would be isolating myself and doing things that would be mindless. Uh, whether that's doing things that are on the Internet, doing things that, um, like watching movies, um, would be... Um, my, latest uh, my, my latest thing that I am doing to escape is to play mindless games. Um, my kids laugh at me because I will have a, uh, a phone game or a computer game that I'm, I'm focused on. I only focus on one, and I just play that over and over and over, and it's usually mine. It was Dots and Company uh, a while ago. Uh, right now, and it's interesting um, because of what I preached on, I would, while I was preparing this sermon, I would work for an hour, and then I would rest. At least I thought it, I was calling it rest. And I would go to my computer, and I would play, and this is my latest kick, is these room escape, game, room escape games. They're on the computer. If you don't know what these are, people, it drives most people crazy. You are stuck in a room, and you have to get out of the room. So room escape. And you look for all of these clues, and all you do is you like click in all different random places, and it usually makes no sense. And then, but there's puzzles throughout there, and there's things that you have to find. But eventually, you get the key that opens the door and lets you out of the room. So I was escaping from my work by playing escape games. <laughs> um, but th that's, uh, that was uh, that. So true rest is not escape. We are not, that's not the goal and the motivation of our true rest. Now, those things in themselves are not bad if they are properly understood and properly used in our lives. But when they become our motivation and what we actually seek, then they become bad. Second is a way to recuperate. It's great. Healthy living needs rest in your life. You work and you work and you work, and you need to break from your work just to be healthy, right? To recuperate, to uh, reset your body, your physical body. Um, studies have shown it is more healthy. In fact, you are more productive in your work when you rest. And when you have a good weekend and when you take vacation days, you become more productive in your work. Studies have shown this. You are, um, your family life becomes better. When you take a good weekend's rest and you're with your family, that becomes better. You are um, also, this, this, what I read was that you have a sense that if you are given on rest days, like weekend days or vacation days, you have the choice and freedom to do what you want to do. When you are at work, you usually don't. And this choice of what to do makes people happy. And so there is this happiness that comes from resting. And you can do that. Um, you, you can rest and you can find happiness. That is not true rest, though. What's underlying that is if I can rest and recuperate my physical body, then I can get back to work. And I can do good work again. Okay, and then the work's not bad. But if our motivation is the work and being able to have a healthy life to be able to do that work, then we are um, not seeking the true rest that we can have in Jesus Christ. Um, and so there, I, that's not me. 
I don't seek rest for healthy living. <laughs> I seek rest for escape. But many of us will seek that uh, just because it's a healthy thing, and, and you're going to get that. That is not true rest. A third thing is that we, uh, true rest is not what we deserve. So be, depending on your personality, I'm an introvert, and I would like to um, say that because of my personality, I need to isolate myself. I, I'm a teacher, and I am relationally relating to kids all day long. And so it's, it's me and them. There's this relational aspect. I come home, and I have kids uh, and family, and I need to relate to them. But I just get to a point where I say, I need to be by myself. I need to be isolated. That's my rest. That's because of my personality. I need that. No, I don't. That's not what I deserve. It's not what I need. What I need is to be rested in Christ, not in my personality. And using my personality, I used my personality as an excuse for sin. And sometimes pretty gross sin. Uh, and I would excuse it and say it's okay because of who I am. Uh, no, tr it's not what we deserve. And the final thing is true rest is not a rule. And we read that in the scripture here. We can make rest into a religious act. And when we make rest into a religious act, then and, and it's going to get tricky. At the end of this sermon, I am going to give you some practical advice. But it's going to be so hard for me to give it because it's so easy to flip this into a rule and flip this into a righteous act that we can do before God. Um, if we are trying to get, if we try to find patterns in our life where we rest, and when we do that, we feel more righteous about ourselves, like we are doing the right thing, and that this is pleasing God, we are motivated by the rule and by religious acts instead of by resting in Christ. Um, so, the good question to ask. If you find yourself following rules of rest, or any rules really, and you find yourself following those because you're supposed to, and because you kind of maybe set a plan and a checklist to do this, and, and so you're making sure you do that, and if then, if you, and, and probably not outwardly, and probably not even consciously, but if you, when you see others not doing it, you have some sort of judgment on them, then you have treated this as a religious act that is not going to bring you to that. The rules, I mean, there's guidelines for rest that I think the Bible clearly gives that are good. And, but we don't do those to become right with God. Instead, we follow those guidelines so God can give us, freely give us the rest uh, that we want. So I like to think we have a line here with all the, these things. On one side of the line, we are indulging the flesh and looking for pleasure. On the other side of the line, we are seeking rest to be religious and to make ourselves right with God. In the middle, we are doing it to be healthy. And this whole line is all us, and it's all acts that we do. It's all acts that we can try to control uh, and try to make right in our lives by our own action, whether it's indulging the flesh, whether it's healthy living, or whether it's religious. True rest is not on that line at all. We have to uh, get away from that line of thinking Set our minds on things above, not on earthly things, where Christ is and what he has done, and there is a true rest outside of that. So what is true rest? True rest is, first of all, trusting in the work of Christ. We need to trust, so we have a work to do, and the work we do is good and meaningful. But it's not the principal thing. The principal thing is the work underneath the work. If we make the principal, the, the, the work that we do the principal thing, we are never going to find rest. But when we see what Christ has done and the work that God has done through Christ, throughout the Bible and throughout time and in our lives, if we can really see what that is and trust in that, then we will find true rest. Um, so the work of Christ is this, is that there was a curse of sin, and there was a curse of death, and there was a curse of Satan, and Jesus, and, and God, through Jesus, and Jesus was the promise to fix all of that, 
he took that away through the death and through the resurrection of Jesus so that Jesus had overcome sin, Jesus had overcome death, Jesus had overcome the curse, he was completely victorious, and now through his resurrection, he sits up in heaven, in, well, he sits with God on his throne, he is over all things, he has authority over all spirit, the spiritual realm, he has authority over this physical realm, Jesus now has the complete victory and the complete authority over everything, and he's done that so that we can, um, we can now have this relationship that was broken th um, through death, through sin, and through Satan with God. We can now have that in him. That's the work of Jesus. That's what he has done. He has given us a good work to do that complements that. But his work is not going to become complete if, depending upon what you do. His work is already complete. And so we can trust in that. He freely gives us good and meaningful work to do. And that's a beautiful thing. But that's not the principal thing. We need to trust in what he has done. Second is true rest is remembering God. So if the work underneath the work is really what it's all about, we need to have times. And, and, and if we go through life and we just keep on walking in our work and we get distracted and we forget, we, we know that we once had a good motivation, but every once in a while we lose track. We need a time to remember God. We need to just remind ourselves of what God is, who God is, and what he has done for us. And I love, so, so think of the Passover festival. The Passover was a festival from the Jewish tradition where people would take, once a year, they would take a festival to remember what God did in Egypt, where the Israels were slaves in Egypt, slaves to do work, and God freed them from that. He took them out of that land, and he brought them into a new land of, of freedom. And the Passover celebrates that. And, we, and, and the reason why you have that in a yearly rhythm is so that we can remind ourselves, okay, this is what's really happened. We were slaves, and now we're free. I need to remind myself of that. I know this truth, but I need rest to be able to remind myself of that. And we can do that with each other uh, and, and um, see each other as, as part of helping us remember. Uh, third, true rest is putting Christ as our master, letting Christ be our master. He says in Matthew, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Just put yourself, let me be your master. Let me be in charge. We have this line of why we would seek rest from indulging the flesh to religious acts. No, that's you. Take yourself out of that. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of the rest. And we need to put our trust in him for that. So we need to remember that it's not about what we do and the acts that we do, but it's about Christ. Um, and the third thing here is worship. True rest is worshiping God. I'm going to say this. It's worshiping God. If we can have true rest, it's worshiping God without worry. Now, we meet here today on Sunday to worship God. This is kind of a, a pattern of rest, a rhythm of rest that we have in the church is um, to, to meet once a week. We do this also on house church whatever night your house church meets, uh, we have these patterns. And we come together, and part of that is just to worship, adore God, to, to give praise to him, and I'd say without worry. We have these things that we do during the week. Can we break from that and just rest in Christ and try to take away the worries that we have? And I know we are trying to do that right now, but none of us are fully doing that. And so we aren't seeing that full rest that we can have. But if we can worship God without worry, that is kind of one of the goals of true rest. And finally, it's trusting in the rest of Christ. So there is a work underneath the work that we need to put our trust in. But there's also a rest underneath the rest. We are seeking rest. We want rest. And God wants us to give us rest. But there's a rest that's already been established in Jesus. 
Um, Jesus was victorious. Jesus' work, his death, and the penalty he paid for sin undid the curse and renewed the curse. But he's victorious. He's won the battle. There will be a final battle, and this gets all confusing, and that's not what this sermon is. But he won the battle. He's victorious. He has all authority over everything. He's sitting on the throne right next to the Father, and um, we can now rest that he has truly rested. Jesus has, um, he, he is the resurrection, and he has rested from his principal work. He has entered as the key player in the rest of God. And we can have access to this rest only through him. We need to trust in the victory that Christ has won. And the work has already been done. And we can, it is finished. And he has, he is fully rested. So we can trust in the work of Christ, true rest. We can remember God. We can put Christ as our master. We can worship him without worry. And we can trust in the rest of Christ. And the reason we can do this in this rest and take these breaks is so that we can be more joyful and more thankful in our work. But knowing that our work is not the principal thing. Our work is meaningful, it's good, but it's the work under the work that we need to always remind ourselves of. So um, some practical methods here I wanted to look at. Okay, so this is what true rest is and what true rest is not. Uh, but what do we, how do we learn this? Um, Jesus says in here, um, he says, my yoke is, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There is a learning to rest that needs to go on in our lives. And so some practical methods. Uh, first of all, I want to give you three principles and then three um, and then three practices. So three principles and then three practices that we can have. First principle is uh, it's more about a mindset than time. We can focus on the time. When are we going to rest? What time are we going to rest? And how are we going to spend our time? And we can try to make a plan to do that and focus on that time. It's not about the time. It's about our mindset. It's about what we are going to set our minds in. Right? We, we don't find um, time to rest so that we can be more righteous, but, we, but rest is more of a mindset of who we are in Christ and what God has done, and we need to, we need to see that it's a mindset of, instead of time. On the other hand, time is needed to rest. So it's a mindset that we are trying to achieve, but there is time. This is the life we live. We live in a physical world where we do, we, we work and work and work, and if we never stop working, we won't have that chance to truly rest in God. So this is the balance. This is the hard part here. Okay, I don't, I don't want to make this a religious act, but I do need some time. I, I, I really do. I need to find some, some time that I can do this in. Um, and the final principle here is Rest happens in community as much as our, by ourselves. So I can see that I need to get rest by having a personal time, like a quiet time away from everybody, uh, having a retreat where I'm by myself or things like that. But we can rest with each other because with each other, when we celebrate and worship God together, we are reminding ourselves, and we are bringing all of us together into that. And so it's much, as much of a community effort. It's a much of a family effort than it is an individual effort. So we don't want to get trapped into thinking it's an individual thing. So the three, um, three methods, and this is just, I, I think this is from Scripture, and uh, clearly from Scripture, um, but it's something that we, I think we all know. There's three rhythms that we see. There's a daily rhythm. There's a weekly rhythm and there's a yearly rhythm. Uh, so our daily rhythm is, is prayer. Uh, and, and I put silence in there because I think silence is a wonderful way to pray. Uh, too often we will, we will talk. Now, this kind of prayer here, there's all kinds of prayer. We have petition prayer, which is a good thing. But prayer to find rest would be prayer that resets our minds. Prayer that would remind us of who, who, what the work God is doing and what the rest God is doing. And not to get too focused on this work. 
And two practical things that I've tried is in the morning, and this is this, this I, don't make this a rule. <laughs> it's not religious, uh, and I and I don't do it religiously. Um, but it, in the morning, to try to to take a look at our day and and try to dispel worry, and and not to worry about all those things. Put our trust in Christ, okay, daily, and then in the evening to look back on the day and just be thankful, thankful even if it was a rough day, just to be thankful for what God has done. Just to remind ourselves that this is about God and about the work he's doing and the rest that he wants to give us. All right, a, a weekly rhythm, and that's going to look different for every person. A weekly rhythm, that would be the Sabbath uh, principle. Um, but um, we can't, we, we need to break uh, from the work we do, from the walk that we're walking, and just stop for a moment uh, and, and rest in what Christ has done. This will look very different for different people. Um, but how can we take a weekly time to just reset ourselves and look maybe look back over the week or maybe just focus on God and worship him and just to, just to stop, just to let all the stuff that's going on and all the stuff that we're doing to stop. And the final one is a yearly rhythm where we have festivals, we have retreats, we have solitude, uh, things that we can do uh, to do this. The idea here is that you do kind of think about a whole year's worth of work and what has happened in your life. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your paid work. Maybe it's the work in the church. Can there be a time that you take to just just, just to stop and reflect on all of that. We're, we are coming up in a couple weeks here to Thanksgiving. Um, and this is a, a, a nice chance for, for a nice festival. And Thanksgiving isn't necessarily centered in, 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 in the Bible. But the idea is you've, we've gone through a harvest. We've gone through all this work that we've done. And we just give thanks. And we give thanks to God for what he has done. And it's a festival you do with your family. It's a festival you do with your friends. Uh, to try to just look at all of that that has happened and reset it uh, and to, to rethink and to re renew our minds in him. Again, the principles are that we, it's, it's more of a mindset than it's time, but we do need time, and we can do this in community just as much as we can do it on our own. All right, I do want to um, read one more thing. So I said that I d we did this class in Exodus, and that the thing that I kind of came up with is that my idol and the thing that I was cherishing and trying to obtain that was pulling me away from Christ was this idea of rest. And at the end of it, you're supposed to write a psalm. And I'm going to read I don't know if this is truly a psalm. I mean, we called it a psalm. But a psalm is more of a song, right? I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> so maybe it's a poem. Um, but it doesn't rhyme. So I don't think it can be a poem, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm going to read this. This is, this is the poem that I came up with um, at the whole, after all of that work that we've done in trying to see these things. And maybe some of you can relate. Right. Oh, Lord, you are great and you are good. Your glory fills heaven and earth. You abound in love and compassion for those who call upon you. In my mind, I know that you give rest to those who seek it. You promised to Abraham and his descendants a land. You delivered Israel from the yoke of slavery in Egypt. You brought your people through miracles and strength to your place of rest, and you gave them a home. I also know that you have mercy and rest for me. This rest, Lord, I do seek. This home, Lord, I do seek. This land of promise, Lord, I do seek. Yet I fight against the enemy of life and the enemies of my soul. Since the beginning days of our life together, my wife has been ravaged by cancer. She has not had rest in her body. I have not had rest in my soul. We call upon you, but you don't seem to answer. Your plans, Lord, are mysterious. In my own soul, I struggle with the lust of the flesh. Sin continues to creep into my heart. My heart, Lord, longs for the things that destroy my soul. I call upon you to deliver me, but you don't seem to answer. You don't even seem to answer in anger. Your rest, O Lord, I do seek. But in seeking after that which is good and holy, Lord, 
I have replaced your rest with an empty God. I have made an idol out of rest and have created it in my own image. Many of my surface sins, Lord, grow out of my ill-intentioned rest. I seclude myself, not to seek you, but to seek rest. I escape in my own activities, not to train my soul, but to seek rest. I harbor frustrations at the one I love because they disturb my rest. I neglect my responsibilities because they are pressing in on my rest. My rest, Lord, is what I really seek. But in all of these, I never find peace. I do not find mercy. I do not find a home. Your rest, Lord, I do seek. Oh, Lord, you are great and you are good. Your glory fills the earth and heaven. You abound in love and compassion for those who call upon you. You do provide rest for our souls. Your promises throughout scripture. On the seventh day, you rested. On Sabbath, we are to rest in you. The earth will, uh, the earth, the earth will be fully recreated in Christ and we can enter into that rest of yours now. When I sense in my heart the great plans you have, when I see the plan of your redemption, when I see what Christ really means and what he did, when I see the mercy you give to me, when I see the place, the peace you give to my wife, then I can enter into your rest. Give rest to my soul, O Lord. Let me not seek another. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you again for this. I pray that we can, we can do this um, without being on the line of our own works and our own actions and to be able to find your rest um, and you give it to us freely. Jesus, you're the Lord of the Sabbath. You're the one who we can come to to find true rest for our souls. And I pray that, 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 um, that we can encourage each other in this and we can press each other on toward this so that we are continually remembering what you have done and that all of our lives are filled with that. So our work, our family life, our neighboring, our justice, it's all done because of what you have done not because of what we do. Thank you, God.